Welcome to another episode of the Colby Cast, your place for community and conversation about pop culture and storytelling. Caleb and Luke are joining me again. Hello, Caleb. Hello. Hello, Luke. Hi. In this episode, we'll be talking about episode two of Marvel's Moon Knight. In other words, <clears throat> we are moon knighting. But um, get it, get it. Luke, do you know what moonlighting is? Moonlighting or moonlight? Moon no, no, no. Moonlighting. Have you ever? Are you familiar with that term? No, but I heard it recently in a show, and then I just pretended like I knew what it was. So moonlighting is like when you go out and you have a second job. Typically, like in the old days, people would go out and get a night job to help ends meet and stuff. That's, That's what the cops did in Batman. They moonlighted for the Penguin. Is that is that what happened? Yeah. Still haven't seen it, so I need moon to see the Moonlit. So the episodes where we talk about Moon Knight... We're going to be moon nighting. See, that's that's good stuff, right? That's good stuff. I love it. Me too. I'm glad. Thank you for humoring me. Uh, so let's talk about Moon Knight, episode two. What did you guys think? Overall thoughts. Caleb? I liked that you're benefiting from the storytelling in the first episode, and now you're getting to understand and know the three characters that are involved with Steven and his alter egos or whatever you want to call them. And then you get to meet... Like the bad guy in more depth and why he's doing what he's doing. And I just, I like that it's progressing the story and it, I feel like it progressed a lot. Yeah, it really did move along. Uh, and we did learn a lot in, in the episode. Huh? It also you? raised a lot more questions, sorry, um, for Layla and yep. his mom. And mm-hmm. I, I just, I'm excited for episode three. It's true. It's true. It, it, we learned more, but it also left us wanting more, right? Luke, what about you? What are your general thoughts on it? Marvel's so good at, lying about their trailers <laughs> because this is just another one where the in the trailers it looked completely different than was actually happening because when he was running through like the storage units mm-hmm. that's not a, at all what it looked like in the trailers right right but that's, i love it that's true yeah because trailers you don't want to ruin too much in trailers you don't spoil things in trailers some some movies and stuff do that and it's, it's always sort of a letdown when you get to the show where you get to the movie and you've already seen it Something cool happened. So I like that the that Moon Knight is giving us like these tasty morsels, but it's not ruining anything for episodes. Yeah, but I, I really liked the episode. Um, it was a little bit slower than I expected it to be, mm-hmm. but I was still really happy with it. I really liked how it ended, though, but I'm sure we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, we definitely will. Uh, I, I, I agree with both of you guys. I thought it was very cool. It was another one where, for me, it actually went by super quick. And I find now for the second week in a row, I really don't want the episode to end. And we're really enjoying seeing it, especially for the first time. It's it's really just engaging, and I love just sitting there. I'll, I'll hit pause, and I'll be happy because there's still you know 30 minutes left, and, and it's one of those things you don't want to end. So, uh, so let's get into it. One of the things that I found out this week that I think is pretty cool, it happened in both episodes. I'm not sure if you guys have heard about this or not, but there's been a QR code in one scene in the first episode and then again there was another qr code in the second in the second episode and if you scan the qr code literally on your screen that you're watching with your phone it'll take you to marvel unlimited and there's a bunch of moon knight free comics that you can read on in real life because you've scanned a qr code that appeared in the moon knight episode that's sick that's very cool that's brilliant marketing right yeah so in the first episode it was in the beginning when stephen grant is talking to the little girl uh and she said something about it must (laughs) must have sucked for you to be rejected in the field of reeds or something like that and then he starts to walk her down the hallway on the wall there's a qr code Mm. and then when he goes to open up the his storage shed 
that he found uh, in the second episode right above the lock, there's a QR code there too. And immediately when I saw it, I paused it and I scanned it. And yeah, lo and behold, it takes you on your phone to Marvel Unlimited. So I just think that's super cool and very, very smart. Yeah, it it piques the interest of the people who aren't looking for the Easter eggs. And then the ones that are, are looking for the Easter eggs, it gives them that much more reason to keep looking for them. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know I'm going to be looking for QR codes next Wednesday. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so... I thought it'd be cool to sort of talk about the characters of the uh, of the episode rather than go do a recap from beginning to end. Uh, so one of the things I did I did I didn't want to mention before we get into the actual characters is we get another view of the uh, the gold statue guy after after Stephen gets fired from his museum job he goes out and he starts talking to the gold statue guy and I found out that that character's name is actually Crawley. He's listed in the in the credits as Crawley, and in the comics, the character of Crawley is an informant for Moon Knight. So who knows if they're going to do anything with this specific iteration of Crawley or not? But I just thought that was a funny Easter egg. Uh, and then one other thing I thought was cool too is 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 the um, the the shots that we're seeing, like the the cinematography of this show when he's walking into the museum the whole camera flips upside down, right? And you, and it's watching him from above and it flips as he goes. And there's another shot where he, when he sees Layla, he, uh, when she almost runs him over with the moped, that she's also upside down. And I think it's just cool because we're literally watching Stephen Grant's life getting flipped upside down. Yeah. And we're getting to see that kind of stuff. I just think it's really creative. I also thought it was really creative that Layla says summon the suit to Stephen <laughs> and he is literally in a suit it's like oh you look different yeah yeah so we'll definitely get to mr knight but uh let's start out stop talking a little bit more about steven even though we got to know him really well in the first episode what 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 did you guys observe or what did you guys learn about him in this episode one thing that really stood out to me was he was ready to go to the police and turn himself in and have himself thrown in a straitjacket and everything just so that Mark wouldn't get out because he didn't want to hurt any more people. And I think that says a lot about him because in the first episode, he's kind of just a pushover, mm-hmm. right? But now he's actually trying to take charge for himself and he's not so much a passenger in his own body, right? Yeah. Yeah, he values his life. He wants to have control over his life because he's been without it for so long. And now he's starting to understand why that is and he's trying to take command over that that's a it's a a good point i also thought it was interesting that power and control you you guys mentioned he is very willing to go to the police do all this stuff and then all of a sudden they're knocking on his door and then he's like oh he's a little more reluctant because now there's a stranger in his room along with his goldfish but um (laughs) all of a sudden they end up turning into not real police right so it's it's interesting to think of it in a way that he's scared he doesn't really know everything that goes on because he has this moon nighting yeah um and then he's just trying to make his way throughout so yeah and that that occurred after his whole conversation with mark in the storage unit where i think he learned a whole lot and so did we right because mark basically laid it out he told him look he well, you know, Stephen found the passport. He found the 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 bag of of illegal stuff in that storage shed, including a gun, and that really freaked him out. 
So then he has this conversation with Mark. Mark lays out a lot. And then he runs into Layla. And, and, and to your point, Caleb, he's in that apartment. And now he's not too trusting of anyone now, right? Because he's starting to get a bigger picture of what is really going on in his life. Like he now has this lady in front of him who's calling him Mark and they're, they have clearly a relationship and a lot of history. So that's definitely freaking him out. He also was very willing to work with Arthur Harrow. Yes. He was, cause he just wanted to do the right thing. Right. But once he realized that he crossed a line with just a fundamental disagreement on his uh his end goal yeah then that's when he stopped working with him so he very clearly has a a moral code yeah it's it's true you also get to see that he has a thirst for knowledge you see all of his books you've Mm -hmm. seen that he's learned all these different languages that he's explaining to layla and uh i'm curious to know what he'll want to learn about the rest of his now alter egos like mark yeah everything that surrounds that because the scene toward the end where he's now behind the mirror, he's trying to convince Mark, like, give it back, please. I can't do this. And yeah. now he's freaking out a little bit. Yeah. But I, I'm curious to see if he tries to go a psychological route to get the power back from Mark to be the person in behind the wheel, if you will. It's an interesting point. And, and I, I was going to save this character for a little bit further down. But since it's really a part of Stephen Grant and we're talking about Stephen, let's talk about Mr. Knight. Uh, because there we, there he is, like you guys are saying, he's trying to take control of what he can. He's trying to maintain the power that he has. He at one point is now stuck in the, in the reflection, but this is after we get to see him fall out of that window. And Khonshu says to him as he's follow, as he's falling, summon the suit and he does what he can. And he turns into, well, he does basically, he does a superhero landing complete with sort of like a, a bit of a of a shake and falling over <laughs> after the fact and then he stands up and he's in this completely different suit that we've seen in posters in the trailer or whatnot but so far not in in the episode and he stands up in front of this mirror window and first of all i think mr knight looks super cool i love the look but he starts to realize wait a minute i have my own version of this now right he's he you know starts talking to mark in the in the in the window and Mark's asking for the scarab, but he's looking around in his pockets and he pulls out these two poles, right? And you can see right off the bat, he thinks that these are pretty cool. And, you know, then he starts to actually get into this fight because he's fighting this jackal that's chasing him. And he realizes, I mean, he, he realizes he's, he has some power, right? He's got some ability to fight. So that's another cool aspect of it. And I can't wait to see how that plays into the whole Stephen Grant, Mr. Knight, um, Mark Spector, Moon Knight dynamics. So now things are getting much more crowded, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I thought it was very funny because he even starts to get a little bit of swagger. Like he's like, he's starting to quote Muhammad Ali, right? It felt like a butterfly sting like a bee. And he's starting to, he, he hits the jackal. And what does he say? He's like, you, you came to the wrong end, bruv, something like that. <laughs> and I just, it's great. I love to see, we start to see a different, a different view of Stephen Grant, right? Even though he's Mr. Knight, you get to see a different look at, at at Steven through that. Yeah, and I think he's much more enjoyable now. Think so? Yeah, because you don't really want to pity your main character, right? And it seems like Steven is the main character, not necessarily Mark. 
right? He has been. Sure. And sure, that can shift, but yeah, I I like to see the the character growth in that. Yeah, it's it definitely keeps us guessing as to okay, whose whose body is it? Because I think even um, Mark refers to it at one point, saying, "Give up control of the body," or maybe it's Conchu that says it. I'm not sure, but he they rec- they reference the body. It's not like it's even Stephen or Mark or Conchu or Mr. Knight. It's the body and everybody's fighting over control because nobody has any power whatsoever without the physical body. Right. So Stephen Grant, I feel, I felt really bad for him a lot over the first two episodes and you're right. It was nice to see him be able to grow into a little bit more of a, not, not more of anything, but just in a different direction when he became Mr. Knight. So let's talk about Mark actually, because we got to, we got to see a lot more of Mark. We got to learn a lot more of Mark. Uh, and I don't know about you guys, but my first feeling when I, when, after the episode was, um, I'm not sure Mark Spector is a really nice guy. Yeah. I also felt like he was also out of control, not in the way that he's going to go belligerent on anybody or just beat up anybody, but he's just make, trying to make sure he's setting himself up to be in a good place, just like Steven is. Yeah. And he's, he's, Mark is trying to protect Layla by separating himself from her and we want we're, we're i th- i hope that it continues to dive through that in the next episode um but yeah i don't know how great of a guy he is <laughs> yeah well he's definitely you know we know he's a mercenary so he has to have some kind of um an edge to him but i did really like how he does seem to be wanting to protect layla cuz we now know that Konshu has his eyes on her yeah. as a potential avatar uh, and Mark is going to protect her because he seemingly loves her and he's willing to go through separating their lives to protect her. Uh, Luke, your thoughts on Mark Spector? I think it's kind of better that he's not so much on the straight and narrow. Sure. Right. I, it makes it a little bit more interesting because you saw it a little bit in the first episode too, where he asked a girl out on a date. Steven never would have done that. Sure. Right. So it, it complicates things for the both of them. And I think the more different that they are, the more interesting the dynamic is. Right. Because they are two, they really are two different people. Right. It's and like, they, it's like a house full of people and there's only one car and they're all fighting on who's going to take the car out. Right. <laughs> but in this case, the car is the body. Yeah. And everyone else just has to, has to ride in the trunk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was, um, it, it was, Definitely interesting to get to know Mark because he does seem like somebody that's definitely comfortable with where 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 he's been, what he's doing, and how he's sort of found a balance with Khonshu, maybe, although it's an uneasy balance. So let's sort of talk about Khonshu then because they're they're so connected. What did you guys think about uh, how we got to see Khonshu just visually? Because we got to see him a lot more in this episode. What do you think about him? How is he? How he looks? The entire theme around him, the aura about him, remind makes me remember that this is Marvel, yeah. but also helps me forget this isn't Marvel. Because mm-hmm. what else is like it, right? You, you remember it's still superhero, but I'm I'm curious to see how they're going to tie it in with the rest of the extended multiverse and uh, see how many superheroes he gets in contact with like i don't know that they'll ever see Conchu, right but i want to know how, what hands he has in different pods but he, he's terrifying he yeah. only shows up in the dark yeah. he has this very bellowing deep voice and uh he, he's 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 his own justice he is yeah he's what does he call himself the fist of vengeance yeah, yeah he's very rude too 
I noticed something interesting when uh, when Arthur's talking to Stephen, he mentioned something about that's why Conchu was banished, mm-hmm. right? And I think that sort of ties in back to the in the first episode with the poster being wrong about how there were only seven and there's supposed to be nine mm. gods or whatever on that banner thing. Right. I wonder if that ties into that. But yeah, anyways, um, I thought it was funny because he's so terrifying in the beginning, right? Like he's giving Stephen panic attacks in the elevator and he's chasing him through the storage unit and everything. Mm-hmm. And then he's throwing temper tantrums and, <laughs> and Arthur called him like a toddler or something. Right. Yeah. And he said, that's all he can do without the body or whatever. Yeah. Right. And I thought it was cool because he's so scary and terrifying, but as the show progresses, he has less and less power. Yeah. It's a good, it's, it's, it's interesting that you brought up Arthur because let, let's talk about Arthur. I, I thought it was, man, I, I have so much to say about this character. And I think to me, knowing that like Caleb, like you said, he, this doesn't feel like a Marvel series or a show. It could exist completely separate from this. And I know I've even read and heard some, some videos that uh, the creatives behind it sort of approached it that way, that they knew that they had the ability to sort of do this on their own and they didn't have to worry too much about connecting a lot of dots, which they might still, I mean, there's still four more episodes we haven't seen, uh, but it does really feel like its own thing. And to that end, Arthur Harrow to me is a terrifying villain. He, at least he's a, he's an antagonist right now. Maybe there's another villain waiting for us. I don't know. But this guy, the reason I think he's so, so scary is that he, he's really, except for the whole supernatural judging people for Amit and the avatar for an Egyptian God. He really is. You could, we hear about these kinds of villains in the news, right? So when, when, Stephen Grant is taken by those two police officers and then he's in that and he's in that car and then Arthur Harrow comes and gets him out. You think that they're in a really bad neighborhood, right? You think it's a dangerous place, but then all of a sudden you start to walk and you're in this, you know, seemingly very lovely place. Kids are playing with a soccer ball. Um, they're talking about the tomatoes that, the, that so-and-so grew. He's taken them through the, the different compound. He, they're filling everybody's needs, right? Free food, a place to live, crime-free, everything that a person would want. And that's really the story of how cults work in real life, right? They, they really fill, they fulfill your needs. They separate you from, your, from your, um, your safety net, and they basically just isolate you like that. And you can see that being played out in that scene where Arthur is talking. Now, when he starts to talk to Stephen about Khonshu, he was so nonchalant, right? He just starts talking about like, oh yeah, I used to be his avatar. And oh, he's saying to kill me now, right? He knew what he was saying, even though he can't hear him. And, you know, Conchu's throwing his fit. He's moving things and the wind is blowing. Didn't affect him whatsoever. He just sat down. He was so cool, collected, and just started having a conversation over some lentil soup with Steven. Yeah. The same thing to your point. Um the thing that popped into my head was Spider-Man's quote in Civil War where he says um, to Captain America, where he says uh, that you're wrong. You think you're right, which makes you dangerous. Right. So that sort of was the same thing that I thought about with Thanos, where he thinks he's right, but he's really wrong. 
very dangerous character, obviously. Yeah. Um, and same thing with Arthur. He has this this ideology fed into him that he's bought into, that he has this power which he's just using for what he thinks is good. But obviously, you got you got to see what we can see as like the homeless person who he thought had the scarab, and now he's he's dead. He's gone. Yep. Um, but he thinks he's right. So and that makes him dangerous. Exactly. I think that's what makes the best villains. Yeah. Right. Like Killmonger was an amazing villain because he had a valid point, and you can disagree about his methods. Yep. But ultimately, he had a point. Yeah. Same thing with Thanos, right? And I think Arthur Harrow is similar to that. And I like that he's not just a villain doing bad things because he's a bad guy. Yeah. Right. Right. He's, he's not in it to try and get money or like beat people up. Yeah. He's not a he's not a mustache twirling villain that is just you know a one a one shot thing. You know he's layered, and I think we got to see a lot more of his layers in this uh, in this episode. I'm I, I'm a word nerd. I love it when words are used well and. You know, I think that was my favorite part about Loki. I, I said it. I said it to you guys when we were watching Loki. Um, I could sit and watch uh, Mobius and Loki sit at a table and talk, or even you know, it, so many of those characters to sit at a table and talk. Some of my favorite moments in Loki, and again, that was one of my favorite moments of this episode was when Arthur and Stephen are just sitting at that table and they're they're really debating. Arthur's trying to bring Stephen in to his ideology. And Stephen just stops him in his tracks when he says, wait a minute, you murder children, yeah. right? Like, can a thought be evil? He starts to reason with him and he, and he starts to show, he starts to poke holes in his argument. And even Arthur is able to, to you know, stay with him blow by blow because he's good, he's good at this. He obviously believes it and he knows. And I think that he really has the potential to be uh, quite a villain, a really good villain, um, somebody that is dynamic and that's going to be able to to go blow for blow with the multiple characters we see with Steven and Mark and all. I also think there's something to be said when the villain doesn't have to do any of his own work. Yeah, I right. was thinking the same thing. He's it, not, it's kind of cool. He's not chasing you. He's not beating you up, yeah. but he's still tormenting you constantly. I think that's pretty cool. It also, when they were walking into what was, should have been a super dangerous area, it reminded me of WandaVision. It mm. reminded me of this, this city where... Everybody has what they think is free will, but realistically, do they really? Because he started to go a little off the rails. He starts to threaten um, Steven, and mm-hmm. then everybody starts to back up. Like, oh, man, he's going to lose it again. He's going to start to do what we know he's capable of doing. And made me think of, like, is he really having them use their own brain to make their own decisions? Or does he have a little bit more, not necessarily like mind control powers, but is he letting them make their own decisions right. out of free will or fear? Right. I, I thought about, it's funny that you brought up Thanos earlier. Uh, I thought of Thanos as well because of the that ideological um, component where he believes what he's doing is right. He believes in it. But what you just said right now made me think of Kilgrave from Jessica Jones because Kilgrave is also another terrifying uh, villain because you literally have to do what he tells you to do. You physically cannot disobey him. If he says it to you, you do it. And that's really, really scary. Yeah. Uh, and, and Arthur Harrow is, is in those same veins, I think, right. Where he's got all these people believing in, you know, what he's selling, they're buying it. So, and he's not the one having to do any of the heavy lifting. He's got them all ready to do what they need to do. Um, you know, and then he can summon these devil dogs out of the ground. So that's also very scary. 
So I think let's finish up with, in my opinion, I think this character in, in a lot of ways stole the show for me anyway. And that's Layla because here she is, she shows up. She knows, obviously she must know where that locker was. That's why she was going there. She ends up almost running over Steven from her point of view, from her perspective, I thought it was so interesting because it's clear after this episode that her and Mark have a lot of history. I was thinking the same thing. And now ending the episode, she has the scarab. She knows where to go. Well, she lost the scarab though. She did? Yeah, yeah. Arthur Harrow ended up getting oh, it from the right. homeless guy. Right, you're right. You're right. right. So, but I think that I, I'm really interested in Layla as a character because of that history. She did. She was not believing Stephen for half the episode. She was not believing what he was trying to say, which was, "I'm not Mark Spector. I don't know what you're talking about." Um, but she's still trying to fight through and say, "Mark, she she she's got this history with him, so she's not just willing to let him push her away or go away, even though it's not Mark, it's Stephen." So I love the fact that they have that history. We don't know anything about that history. She even admit she even mentions it. I think at one point where they they have had so many adventures. I think she even uses that that word adventures. She definitely knows how to handle her handle herself. She was fighting with the best of them when they were trying to get away with that scarab. And the one of the coolest twists in this episode to me is why is Konshu so interested in her? Yeah. And he literally is holding Mark Spector hostage because Mark wants to protect Layla because he knows that Konshu is after Layla. That's pretty cool to me. For me, it made me think of like asset management. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, she knows all this stuff. Don't have to show her the ropes. She knows exactly what she needs to do. For me, let me just use her as my new avatar. And it's just like not having to train another person. But it also made me think, oh, let me just threaten Mark because he cares about Layla with it being a, a, like a false empty threat mm-hmm. um, just to continue to use Mark because he knows what he's capable of. Yeah. Yeah, that that's what I was going to say because Arthur mentioned like what deal did he make with you? There's always one last mission or something like that. Right. So I, I'm not sure if Conchu really does intend on making Layla his next avatar. He might, but I think he's just trying to hold Mark hostage more than anything. Um, But one really interesting thing about Layla that I noticed was her dynamic. She clearly has a dynamic with Mark, but Mm -hmm. she's building one with Steven too. True. Because she asked him what, you don't remember our adventures. And he responds with God, I wish I could. Mm -hmm. So there, and he's trying to protect her from what he thinks is the police. He's willing to lie for her. She's trying to help him out, not just Mark. Right. Right. And so there's a bond forming there. And I think it's going to be interesting because what is she going to hate Mark and like Steven now? (laughs) I mean, the way that they're the the way that they're setting these two characters up, you know, I've always struggled with when when the when one actor plays multiple roles, I always struggled suspending the disbelief because I always say, well, it's, it's the same actor. I don't always buy into it. And it's one of the things that I, that I, one of the only things I, I have trouble, you know, um, accepting when I'm watching something, but I'm not experiencing that at all with Oscar Isaac. When I see Mark, I see Mark. And when I see Steven, I see Steven. And I think that Layla is a perfect juxtaposition for those two characters, because it's a good point you bring up. How is that dynamic going to play out? It's almost like a love triangle. It could be a love triangle with two people, but 
multiple personalities. And then how does Moon Knight, how is he going to fit into this? How is Mr. Knight going to fit in with this? And are there other personalities in there that we're going to learn about? There is one in the comics. There is one in the comics. So that's why I ask, you know, what what does this have to to show us in the next four episodes? Because look at what they've done in the two episodes that we've seen. Look at all we've learned in the so much entertainment what do they have left in the next four hours? Because the the runtime for these for these episodes are awesome. You know, forty five minutes, fifty minutes. It's really really good. It's it's they're they're doing a great job. Well, uh, you know the 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 thing for me is always at the end of the episode. Uh, do I ask myself, is it Wednesday yet? You know, is it next Wednesday yet? And I've done it both times after this episode. It's it's um it is fast becoming it's shooting up the charts and i've loved all the the marvel disney plus shows i've loved them all i think that they're all excellent and this one is definitely shooting up the ranks uh, for for me i want to know who do champ is the one phone call that wasn't layla on that same cell phone so he is another character from the comics and in the comics his nickname is frenchy oh and his name is Duchamp or Duchamp or something like that. And uh, I do know that he he's like an assistant maybe or like some kind of a, a partner with Mark Spector. Um, but I don't know much more beyond that. But there was definitely a reason why they put his name in that in that cell phone, right? Very true. Yeah. All right. Are there any uh, any final thoughts before we we call it a night? No, I think that was us getting it all out there. That's beautiful. Well, thank you guys again for uh, recapping episode two of Moon Knight while we do some moon nighting on the Colby cast. Uh, So, yeah, let's go play some Lego Star Wars. Laters, Gators. You can find the Colby cast on Twitter and Instagram at the Colby cast. If you're wordy, like me, you can send an email to thecolbycast at gmail.com. Please subscribe to the show and leave a review on your favorite podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is not endorsed by anyone or anything for that matter. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Colby Cast, unless otherwise indicated. That'll do, Donkey. That'll do.